0: You're listening to an audio sermon from Hope Bible Church, Kelowna. For more information about our church, please visit hopekelowna.ca. So open the word of God, and the ushers are coming with Bibles. If you don't have a Bible today, take um, take a Bible from the ushers. They are walking down the aisles. Raise your hand. They will give one to you, and uh, you can take and you can use that today. If you don't have a Bible at home, take that word And use it, read it, and allow God's word to transform your life. The rest, everyone turn to Genesis 39, Genesis 39. And if you're in person, uh, that's great. Genesis 39, you're here with us. And if you're joining us online, same thing, get your Bible, open your Bibles to uh, Genesis 39. We're going to be working our way through this amazing chapter. And, Chuck, I'm wondering, can you just get those glasses? For some reason, my eyes just aren't working that great these days, and so I may need those a little bit later on. Thank you so much. Uh, All right, Uh, another true confession. My eyes aren't working that great these days. Another true confession. My wife and I enjoy watching curling on TV. (laughs) Yes, we do. True confession. And oftentimes, we are intrigued, we are impressed, confused, with how the players think, anticipating their opponents and then their own, and then their opponents, and then their own, and then their opponents. Next move, taking them all throughout the game to hopefully get them to victory. It's actually, you know, it's more than hurry hard, it's more than that, it is, there's a lot of skill it's challenging, it's intriguing, and it's something so wonderful to fall asleep to on a Sunday afternoon. <laughs> and I'm looking forward to that this afternoon. The world's women's um, uh, competition is taking place, and there'll be some uh, good snoozing going on in our house. That, but, but true story, we, we do. We actually record it even and, 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 and hurry up some of the speeds. We really hurry hard through them at times. But you know, similarly to curling, And to curling players, when it comes to our hopes and our dreams, we try to plan ahead, don't we? We try to anticipate all the possible moves that we need to make that others might make. We try to anticipate the different challenges as well as the frustrations, as well as uh, perhaps even the bad decisions that others might make, the uncontrolled circumstances, all in an effort to see our hopes, our dreams, our plans succeed. And and yet, oftentimes, as in a curling game, when something doesn't go quite right or the opposition or or the opponent does something differently, in life we can also find ourselves saying, I didn't see this coming. I didn't bargain for this. And perhaps we're even, as a result of it, feeling trapped in our circumstances. I had other hopes. I had other dreams. I had other plans for my life for this next year, for the next five years. I had other hopes and dreams for my marriage, for my family, for, for my well-being, for my work. But here's the thing, as the child of God, God desires to meet us in the mess, in the brokenness, in the dreams that are fulfilled, God is there. In the dreams that are unfulfilled, in the confusion, in the disappointment, God is there. And today we're continuing in, in, in chapter 39 of Genesis. And, and, and as we left him last weekend, and, and as we're in it today, we see Joseph is heading to Egypt, not according to his plans. And he's feeling pretty battered. He's feeling pretty confused by the treatment of his brothers and all that has happened. But it was God taking Joseph to Egypt. God was taking him there for his purposes. Even though he couldn't comprehend, he couldn't see what was coming, God did. God saw it completely. God, through Joseph, would fulfill the prophecy given to his great-grandfather Abraham in Genesis 15, verse 30, regarding his descendants one day becoming a great nation. God made these promises, and God fulfills his promises. But But also God did this To get him out of a bad situation. This didn't seem very loving. What happened to him at the hand of his brothers. It didn't seem very loving. Didn't seem very kind. But I believe so solidly. And some of you could even see this in your own life. And as I've looked back this past week. I've seen it in my own life. God has sometimes. It has allowed brutal circumstances. To get me out of a bad situation. That I didn't even know was going to be a bad. Dysfunctional messed up situation. That it turned out to be. And I believe this is so clearly what we're seeing here. We're seeing that God, his hand is on his servant. Now, some of you might think that we've skipped over chapter 38 of Genesis. Last week we were in chapter 37. Some of you were like, oh, I didn't even notice that. But, but there's a whole chapter in there that seems unrelated to the story of Joseph. And our focus is on Joseph, so that's why we're not working our way through here. And chapter 38 almost seems like, plop. It just kind of plopped in there and, uh, and, and seems unrelated. But no, every word, every chapter, every portion of God's word is there for a reason and a purpose. And this is a messed up story. Like, go home and read this this afternoon and you'll go, huh? I mean, Jerry Springer, remember that show? I don't know if it's still on. Like, I mean, there is nothing like that would come. I mean, this is just bad that took place here. And in chapter 38, we see interesting and a heartbreaking interlude about Judah, one of Joseph's older brothers. He he is the one that suggested they not kill Joseph, but sell him as a slave. Judah was the third son of one of Jacob's four wives. Like, again, how messed is that? We talked about that last week. It's a story of wickedness and continued shameful dysfunction in a family. And God actually strikes two of Judah's sons dead because they were so evil. Can you imagine being so evil that God's just like, I just just need to kill you. I need to take you out. And that's what God did. And and chapter 38 is about great evil and lies and deception and prostitution and incest. And Jacob's family, it's just unraveling. And, 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 And it's being absorbed by the culture around them. And so God, in his love, gets Joseph out of there. Although seeing the way that Joseph left Egypt did not seem very loving, but God's hand was on it. And it's actually the loving hand of God that gets him out of this mess. But here is a beautiful truth. God is going to transform Jacob's family, this messed up, dysfunctional family. And he is going to take this family and make a great nation. And that nation continues today. And that nation is going to be untouched because it is God's nation, the nation of Israel. Oh, they're going to take the shots and we're seeing that even now in in world events being played out. But was it MC Hammer who had that song? Can't touch this. I mean, you cannot touch God's nation of Israel. It is God. Because why? Because God made the promise. And all throughout we see that. And so Judah... Joseph's brother, messed up as can be. It would be from his lineage. It would be from his family tree. Not Joseph's, that Messiah that Jesus would come from. You think you're messed? You think your family is messed? Hey, God does his best work in the messiness of life. Judah and his son Perez, the son who had... Um, The son he had, that Judah had with his son's wife. That are mentioned in that genealogy in Matthew 1. Go home and read that this afternoon and be blessed. That God can and he will and he is in the process and he can use the mess ups and the dysfunction. You think you have a messed up life, a checkered past, You know what? You're biblical then. You really are. Not good biblical, but biblical, okay? And God wants to work at transforming, his transforming power in and through you and your family. However, it's not going to happen automatically. It's going to happen when we yield to him, when we surrender to him, when we run to and experience and pursue God in the midst of it. It's not just going to happen just because. We must pursue him and yield him. We'll see that today. You see what we have at work here, and what you have at work in your life, even right now, are two important theological terms. These are important words. We have God's sovereignty at work. Big word, big nice theological word. But we love it because God's sovereignty, God sovereign, sovereign sovereignty, can't even say it now. Is God's total authority to rule and govern His creation. That is God's sovereignty. To be able to rule and his creation, that's you and me, that's this universe, that's everything going on in this world. God's providence are the way, the ways or the steps that God chooses to govern and to rule our individual lives and our steps. God's sovereignty, big picture. God's providence, the little picture, the steps that he's going to take to fulfill his overall plan and purpose. But we just don't sit there, as I said. We must make intentional decisions in this process and choices. Joseph experienced God, his sovereignty, and overall, but then also his providential steps in three important places, and we must do the same because sooner or later, we're going to be in one of these. Well, we're in one of them even now. And sooner or later, we're going to experience every one of these same kind of we're going to be in these same kind of places. Joseph was taken out of the pit that his brothers threw him into and was dragged across the desert and he was headed into another pit though. It was from one pit to another it was literally the pits. The pit of slavery he went into. No doubt this was still he was still feeling the pit of hate from his brothers. Being, being betrayed, being sold, being roughed up, thrown into a cistern. He, he's dealing with the pit, of, the pit of hate from his very own brothers. How could they do such a thing? But then he's also now in another pit, the pit of humiliation. Look at verse 1, Genesis chapter 39. Now Joseph had been brought down to Egypt. And Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard, an Egyptian, had bought him from the Ishmaelites... Who had, who had brought him down there. Joseph is now in the Nile Valley, surrounded by pyramids, as Egypt's 15th dynasty was in full swing. He would wake in the morning to the chanting of cultic hymns to waken the many Egyptian gods. Pharaoh himself considered himself to be a god, the falcon sky god called Horus. Here is Joseph in a new country, new language, new customs, new gods. The dreamer has hit the dirt. He is there in this pit of hate, dealing with the pit of hate, now in the pit of humiliation as a slave. Young teenage Joseph finds himself now on the auction block. And more than likely, he's been stripped naked and subjected to investigations and proddings by his potential masters. This kind of humiliation was something that would have ripped him to the core. Not understanding the language, being made bare before his future handlers. Exposed, alone, rejected, fearful, wondering what would ever come of his life now. I never bargained for this. I never asked for this to happen. I don't deserve this. God, where are you? God, where are you in the midst of this? Sound familiar? It's so easy in these times to allow the internal killers into our lives. We allow them to set and to stay, and if we do, it is never good. Allowing resentment, self-pity, bitterness, anger to set into our lives. Maybe perhaps today you're in the pit. Maybe you would say life is the pit's. Well, you can smile and you can fake it, most times. But in your heart, you would just say, life really stinks right now. You're not there today? Then praise God. Give thanks. But no, just like Joseph, your life and your future can change. Your future outlook can change within a few moments just like Joseph, but it was here in the pit, in the pit of hate, the pit of humiliation, Joseph would experience the hidden life with God. He got to this place. We know this. We see this by his character. He pursued and was protected by God. He left his earthly father behind in the land of Canaan, but his heavenly father was with him. And somewhere there in that pit, there must have been a surrender initially and then a surrender daily as he yielded himself to God. And rather than running from God, he ran towards God. Notice in verse two, it says, the Lord was with Joseph. He would come to experience what David would later write in Psalm nine, verse nine, the Lord is a stronghold for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. He would experience that. Psalm 46.1, God is my refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Joseph would come to experience that. Psalm 138, verse seven, though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. This is our great and our wonderful God. And to summarize it all then, Jeremiah 29.13, you will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with half your heart. Is that right? No when you seek me with all your heart. It's in that place, in that place of desperation, flat on the ground before God. It's that place of surrender. And God meets you there. I remember it was a Sunday morning, pounding on the floor in the church office where I was pastoring at the time. Pounding on the floor Crying out to God, I had the plan that he needed to take and he needed to execute for me. And he wasn't doing it. I had it. It was all written out. It was like that easy. And I remember pounding the floor and finally just throwing that thing aside and say, okay, God, I'm yours. There's that initial surrender and then it's that seeking him with all our heart. Joseph may have lost, may have lost his coat, But he never lost his character. In fact, his character became stronger. And with the Lord's help, he determined, I'm going to make the most of this trial. I'm going to learn the language. I'm going to work hard. I'm going to give a full shovel. I'm going to be the best slave I can be. I'm going to be diligent, conscientious, obedient, reliable, trustworthy, industrious. I'm going to trust God 100%. Others might be just floating along but I'm not one of them. I'm in. I'm in fully and completely. Loved ones, we must remember the ideal place to serve God is right here. It is right where he sets you down. That is where we are to be faithful. Not looking to be faithful somewhere down the road when things work out. It's being faithful right here, right now, in the prison, in the pit that we may find ourselves in. And yet we always want to wait and we're seeking after the ideal, the perfect, aren't we? The, the perfect place to serve God. The, the, the perfect job. We're looking for the perfect location, the perfect church, the perfect marriage, the perfect family. You know, if there's good ones of all of these and there's great ones of all of these, but there's no perfect one. There's not, none of this that are perfect because perfection is saved only for heaven. Every one of these things I've listed, everything we, we hope for and pursue will have a degree of imperfection to it. I'm not saying not to set great goals and to have ideas and plans, but don't have your heart set on perfection because it's not gonna happen until heaven. Remember in one of the churches we were at, we had a guy involved in the worship ministry. He was a drummer, bass player, really gifted, really loved him, loved his heart, loved his story. But he came to me one day he says, "I think I'm going to leave the church. We are pastoring just outside of Edmonton, and, and he said, "You know, I'm single. I, I think he was probably um, in his late uh, late 30's to early 40s, had a great story of God working in his life. But he said, "I think I'm going to leave the church maybe just for a while, because I'm single and I want to get married and I'm going to go to a bigger church that has the singles ministry, and I'm going to go there so I can find a wife because I don't really anticipate finding a wife in this church. And, and I was like, yeah, that, that's true. I, I mean, we don't have a singles ministry here. We had a church filled with young families, some young adults, but no one his age, no one to, for him to perhaps, he had a longing and a heart to get married. And, and I said, you know what? That's just a bunch of junk. I said, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? And and maybe he just caught me at the wrong time, or maybe it was the right time, I don't know. I said, listen, you need to just hunker down where you're at. And you need to trust God, and you serve God, and you give that full shovel to him. And you trust God with the outcome. You trust God to bring and to meet the desires of your heart. But set that aside, surrender that to God, and you give yourself to him. And you, like, no, I'm not not, not giving you an okay on that one. (laughs) It was... Seriously, less than a month later, he's running up to me after the second service, and, and, he, and he said to me, hey, who, who, who was that girl? that I saw you talking to her. I'm like, uh, no. He yeah, said, she just moved here into town to live with her mother. You've got to be kidding me. Yeah. Months later, they were married, and they're still married. There's a good number of months. It wasn't like, you know, And so oftentimes we think God's plan, God's ideal, all of this. No, it's right here where we're at. We give God our hearts. We give God our lives. We give God our talents and we say, God, wherever I'm, that stinking job that you're at right now, that is your place to be there with that full shovel, being the best employee, the best worker that you can be. That is what God calls us to do and and who we are to be. Look what happens as he experiences God in the pit. Verse two, the Lord was with Joseph and he became a successful man and he was in the house of his Egyptian master. His master saw that the Lord was with him and the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. God was on display in Joseph's life. He didn't have to announce it. He wasn't like, hey, get a picture of me here, just you know, working hard for you there, Potiphar. You know, and 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 he doesn't have to announce it, he doesn't have to post it. He's just faithfully serving the Lord. And his boss noticed, hey, there's something different about this guy. There's something different, there's something about him. I wonder in your workplace, your school, your gym that you go to, the the coffee shop, the places that that you and I that we frequent. Is God is his love? Is it on display? in and through our lives and through our character, in our neighborhoods? Is God seen in our love, in our grace, in our diligence, in our reliability, in our trustworthiness, in our integrity, in our industriousness, in our truthfulness? God brought a blessing to Potiphar's house on account of Joseph. Is your boss receiving a blessing from God because of your faithfulness as an employee you know in reality the most blessed places in our city in our region here in the central Okanagan the most blessed places and neighborhoods the most blessed staff rooms and schools and all of that ought to be where God's people frequent that the life and the joy of God would be seen in and through his sons and daughters I know I've got a long ways to go. (laughs) Is the love of God seen in my driving. (laughs) I know not in my wife's driving. No, I'm kidding. She's with the kids. I got away with that one today. But all of a sudden, there is a change for Joseph. He starts to experience God in the penthouse. Things are going really well. I mean, Joseph, I mean, just whatever he takes on, there's more responsibility and he's able to handle it and, and he's given authority. This hard work, this integrity, it's paying off beautifully. Look at verse four. So Joseph found favor in his sight and attended him and he made him overseer of his house and put him in charge of all that he had. From the time that he made him overseer in his house and over all that he had, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. The blessing of the Lord was on all that, jo- all that he had in house, in field, so he left all that he had in Joseph's charge, and because of him, he had no concern about anything but the food that he ate. Now, Joseph, what we see here, he's promoted. He experiences promotion in the penthouse. Life is good. Now, now just to be clear, this didn't happen quickly. We just think, oh, if I give it a good solid two months at work, I'm going to get promoted. This no doubt happened over 11 years. This was about an 11-year period where this took place. It was a long obedience, a long faithfulness in the same direction. But with success, there can also be potential pitfalls that can also come our way. And there were definitely some for Joseph. Some of it that he had no control over. Other things he did. Last part is verse 6. Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. And after a time, his master's wife cast her eyes on Joseph and said, Lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, Behold, because of me, my master has no concern about anything in the house, and he has put everything that he has in my charge. He is not greater in this house than I am, nor has he kept back anything from me except you because you are his wife. Now if we skip down to verse 10, and it says, And as he spoke to Joseph, or as she spoke to Joseph day after day, he would not listen to her to lie beside her or to be with her now joseph was well built and he was handsome he was kind of in his genes i mean if you remember his 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 great grandmother sarah was 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 like so gorgeous that abraham is like don't tell them you're my wife they're gonna kill me and so you know like let's um and and then his mother rachel she was another hot one apparently and so it was in the jeans, right? So, so, so here is Joseph, this handsome and this stra- strapping hulk of a man. I mean, let's face it at times, and, and this isn't to be weird, but but sometimes I don't know if you're like me, or maybe you just maybe I'm weird. It's just like, wow, that is one good-looking person. I mean, there's time in my family things like weird. sometimes after church we'll be talking, man, do you see that? Like that is one good-looking guy, and and uh, you know, and, and and I'll say that and, and just. Not today, but, but other days, like, I, I, I've said that, you know, and, 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 and there's there's just some people that, I mean, it's just like, wow, look at them. Oh, they've got it. The rest of us dream or have dreamed about that. Well, Joseph caught the eye of this older woman, his boss's, his, his boss's wife, and more than likely, she would have been rather attractive too high up in the government that she was and, and a woman of high society. She was used to getting what she wanted. Being a young man brimming with no doubt sexual curiosity, he faced a dilemma though. And, and he's, he, he's kind of, well, no one will know. No one, I mean, my family is back so far away. It would have been so easy to justify. I could just have this, th- this fling. My family is far away. You know what? I deserve this. After everything that happened to me, I deserve some love. I deserve some of this. Or it's just part of the culture. That's what you do. You just have to sleep your way to the top. My master has placed everything under under my care, so technically she's under my care. and, And it could maybe enhance my career. You know, some strategic adultery. Or he could have said, well, it's in my blood. (laughs) Look at my face, my body, it's in my blood. And look at the history, too. There's a lot of sexual uh, history in in my past. It's just like, that's just the way I am. Joseph had every human human reason for this illicit encounter. Look at this quote. The human mind has the ability to rationalize anything that the human heart wants to do you really want to get after something, you want to do something, you can ration. You can figure out a way. And you don't even need a lawyer for it because you have that great internal lawyer in your own heart. Even Joseph, though, she came after him. Uh, even for Joseph, as she came after him day after day, Joseph did not give in. You, know, you want to know why? You know why he didn't give in? He was a man of integrity. We're going to see it again in the text. We don't even have to make this stuff up. He was a man of integrity, and he had the right theology. He had good theology about him. This is where theology matters, folks. It's more than God is love, pray a prayer, get baptized, and go to heaven. This is where we need to learn the doctrine of God. We need to establish our lives and our families based in good theology. You see, the theology, knowing God's heart, knowing God's word, it matters because we are all gonna be tempted to sin and we're gonna to try to justify it in some twisted way. But Joseph had the right theology. How do we know this? Verse nine, last part of it, he says, how then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? He didn't even see this as an issue with Potiphar. He didn't even see this about, about just being. A, how can I do this? wickedness before God. He had the right view of God. He had the right view of sin. You see, Joseph feared God. He didn't fear him in in the way that oftentimes, sadly, 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 we can fear God. You mess up and God's gonna whack you, bring out the big billy stick and give you a good whacking at the knees and take you out if you mess up. No, that's a pagan view of God, a pagan fear of God. For the believer in Jesus Christ and, and, and the kind of fear that Joseph had was the biblical fear in that I am so concerned and I'm so afraid of what my actions, of what my sin will do to God, to the God who loves me, to the God who cares so much for me. I don't want to offend. I do not want to hurt God. And so out of love, out of worship, out of reverence for you, God, I run from sin. I run to righteousness and I pursue holiness. But we like to soften sin, don't we? Even in the language we use, adultery isn't an affair or just a fling. Homosexuality isn't an alternate lifestyle. A white lie, a gray area, a guilty pleasure, we use all these different words to try to justify and rationalize sin. We might say, well, I deserve this. After all that's happened to me, I can just, it's my little guilty pleasure time. God will forgive me. Or when it comes to lying or cheating in school or work or on our taxes. Well, everyone else is doing it. Yeah, I know it's not the proper way to do it. But everyone else is doing it so I can do it. No, we rationalize and we justify. Joseph knowing all the rationalizations. Knowing that, that he could maybe even just live with the guilt then. Th- th- that, that I'll deal with the consequences. I'll take whatever's coming. I, j- I just want this. But there's one thing he couldn't rationalize is knowing he would break the heart of his heavenly father. And when we understand the gospel, when we understand what Christ's love, what God's love has done for us in Christ, we want to, that is motivation enough for us to run and to flee and to not want to pursue and to live in areas of sin. To run from temptation. Loved ones with the coming waves and tsunamis that are coming at us with the pressures whether it's on advertising, in social media, in the news, in our politics, to accept and to conform and to comply, to, stand, to, to not stand and to speak up for biblical truth when it comes to sexuality, racism, gender, marriage, even with this great shift that we're seeing towards socialism and that, that is leading to communism, and it's coming. Even with the erosion of the church of Jesus Christ in these days with false teaching. Churches, believers claiming new revelations from God. You know, the Mormons did that as well. but At least they're honest about it. But these others claim these new revelations and they're not from God. And neither is the Mormons. And, and, and yet we can call them false teachers and we do. And false teachings about wokeness or I- accepting um, the sinful lifestyles, it's all infiltrating the ranks. The denomination I grew up in and was a part of for many years, there are churches taking a swing towards accepting these kind of lifestyles and affirmations, and I am in shock. Not surprised, though, in some ways, because we just, if we do not stand for truth, we're lost. and And, and we're going to, if we don't stand for truth and live, listen, but, but it starts not about all the stuff out there. It's living with this integrity today. In my own life, in my work, in my family, my yes is a yes and my no is a no. There is, because if we're not standing in these areas now, we're not going to stand tomorrow and our, grand, our children and our grandchildren, your great-grandchildren will not stand. We must be people who are willing to stand on truth, be men and women of integrity jesus confronted sin he confronted the sinner he did it lovingly yes but he didn't back down and he didn't compromise and so his followers today must do the same but we must be prepared what did they do to jesus they put him on a cross and we better be prepared for it not always going well when you stand for truth when you expose the lies get ready to face the heat Look what it says in verse 10. He would not listen to her, to lie beside her or to be with her. I never saw that before in this passage. He, he, he determined to not be with her, not to lie, you know, just, oh, come over here, Joseph, just lie beside me here in front of the pool on the, you know, on this nice, no, he refused that. And, and, and it says, or to be with her. Joseph had safeguards. He had accountability in his life. He always worked it to have someone else there in the room. He was going to make sure that he was not going to be put in a compromising situation. He, he determined not to be alone with her. He determined. He planned this, and he tried as much as he could. I wonder: Do we ha- have we set safeguards in our own lives for ourselves and for our children? Do we have accountability in our lives? God has given us his word, yes, the Holy Spirit, but also he's given us brothers and sisters in Christ to help us, to walk with us, to hold us accountable. Who's holding you accountable? Well, God, the Bible, the Holy Spirit, yes. But we need brothers and sisters that are doing the same. And lastly, here's another thing that Joseph experienced. Another place where he experienced God in it is God in the prison. Look at in verse 11. But one day when he went into the house to do his work, and none of the men of the house was there in the house, she caught him by his garment saying, lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and fled and got out of the house. And as soon as she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and fled out of the house, she called him called in the, the men of her household and said to them, See, he has brought among us a Hebrew to laugh at us. He came in to lie with me, and I cried out with a loud voice. And as soon as he heard that, I lifted up my voice and cried out. He left his garment beside me and fled and got out of the house. Then she laid up his garment by her until his master came home. And she told him the same story, saying, The Hebrew servant who you have brought among us, came in to me to laugh at me. But as soon as I lifted my voice and cried, he left his garment beside me and fled out of the house. As soon as his master heard the words that his wife spoke to him, this is the way your servant treated me, his anger was kindled. And Joseph's master took him and put him into prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined and he was there in prison standing and doing what was right, having the right safeguards, living with integrity, doing and giving his best, it will at times cost. And Potiphar's wife, she makes her move. Joseph runs, runs out of the room, but he left his coat behind. She's mad. She's humiliated. And she's like, you have just crossed the wrong woman. What's that statement? Hell hath no fury fury like a woman scorned. You can actually buy, you can go online, you can buy um, scorned woman hot sauce. <laughs> you, you can even get a three-pack of it. Just saying. Yeah. And then to quote my wife on this, she says, Men are rude, Man, women are evil. And you know, it's so true, isn't it? I mean, all across the board. And men can be evil, too, and back and forth. (laughs) Joseph is shackled. He's thrown into a dungeon. And this was no country club. Psalm 105.18 actually gives us an insight into what he experienced. It says there, His feet were hurt with fetters. His neck was put in a collar of iron. And then it says, The word of the Lord tested him. In a moment, he goes from the penthouse to the prison. The Lord tested him. God is looking to see what his servant is made of. Is he going to worship and praise and serve God in the penthouse when things are going good? But how about in the prison? A.W. Tozer said this, It is doubtful whether God can bless a man or a woman greatly until he has hurt them deeply. God rises up storms of adversity, conflict in relationships in order to accomplish that deeper work in our character, he goes on to say. We cannot love our enemies in our strength. This is graduate level grace. Are you willing to enter this school? Are you willing to take the test? He brings us through these tests as preparations for greater use in the kingdom, but you first must pass the test. Joseph, what are you made of? You trusted, you experienced God, you ran to him in the pit, in the penthouse, but how about in the prison when your neck is even in a collar? How are you handling it? Injustice, unfair treatment, falsely accused. How are you handling the dungeon of life? God is looking to see his to to see what his servant is made of here. He's, He's looking today to see hey, what are you made of today? Will he hold on to God? Will he hold on to the dreams? Or will it die in prison? He's going to be there a while. This isn't going to be get out of jail fast and free. But look at this. He stayed the course. He stayed the course. He stayed faithful. Verse 21. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever was done there... He was the one who did it. The keeper of the prison paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him and whatever he did, the Lord made him succeed. Here's a great truth from from someone else who had their share of adversity in Job 23.10. Job said this, but he knows the way that I take. When he has tried me, I shall come out as gold. Believer in Christ, this is for you today. I wonder, where are you at today? What pit do you find yourself in? Are you feeling discouraged, feeling hopeless? Or are you in the penthouse today? Things are good. Things are, God is good. And there's blessing. May I encourage you, be thankful, be humble. It's not you that have, it's not your brains and, and, and your provision that's done off. God has enabled you to, to be in that penthouse and to experience his blessing. So be humble, be thankful, be, be generous. Keep your integrity, guard your heart, fight temptation. Fight temptation and sin, and give God all the glory if life is going really well these days for you. But if you're in the prison today, even after doing the right thing, honoring God the best that you can, and you feel sidelined, ignored, feeling trapped, regardless of where you're at, wherever you're at today, we need to be running towards and trusting God, surrendering ourselves to him again and again every day, desiring to praise him and worship him in the valley. Not just be floating along, waiting for a better date, waiting for summer, waiting for this time, waiting for this, but praising and worshiping and surrendering to him today. Either we're running to him or away from him. If we're running away from him, self-pity and resentment sets in, and that's a great destroyer. Let's bow our heads right now. The band is going to be coming up and we're going to worship in a moment, but want to take just a few moments as I share a few more truths with you. And sometimes it's just better if you don't have to look up at anything, but just have your heads bowed. You may want to close your eyes. as We just spend a little more time in some personal examination. Joseph is a great hero of the faith to us. And, And perhaps today, we can identify with him. Maybe in, in some very particular, hey, my life is a lot like Joseph, you could say, with broken dreams and longings, a messed up family, being mistreated, abused, neglected, falsely accused. You could just go on and on and say, man, we line up so much. And we can, and I hope that we are learning a lot in this series. How to pursue God in the pit, in the penthouse, in the prison. But Let's understand that Joseph, listen to this, and And and, and this is important that we get this. Joseph isn't the hero of this story. He isn't. Jesus is the hero of this story. We may see so, so many bold hints and foreshadowings of Jesus in the life of Joseph. We see it so clearly. But Jesus is the greater Joseph. Joseph, who was adorned with splendor and favor, had the favor of the Father on his life. Jesus had all of that. Jesus, who became one of us, entered into a nation of people, into a world of people where he was a stranger. He entered into the tangled web of sin and dysfunction and brokenness. Yet he was without sin. Jesus was sold and betrayed and publicly exposed and humiliated. Yet he yielded himself to his father as he said, not my will, but yours be done. Jesus suffered and he died alone. And he did all of this to bring about salvation, full and free to all who would ask, to all who would receive his humble, loving service in their lives. Jesus shows us that God subverts the evil actions of men to bring about his ultimate plan. You see, we're not Joseph. Jesus is a greater Joseph. You know who we are? We are Potiphar. We want, we like the advantage, the blessing of Jesus in our life, in our family, in our church, in our possessions. And when we put everything into his hands to care and rule over us, there's a blessing that happens. But remember, Potiphar put everything into Joseph's care. Except for the food that he ate. Likely because of the ritual prep, the various preparations to the gods that he served. Because of idolatry, he held it back. He didn't go all in, he held back in one area. Is there an area in your life that you are like Potiphar, holding back from God rather than surrendering it to him? And yet, when push comes to shove, We hold on to these things. We don't surrender at all. We can be like Potiphar in how quickly we can toss Jesus out of our lives when things get tough. We can quickly reject and ignore the truth and settle for lies, as Potiphar did when his wife told them. But you know what? We're also Mrs. Potiphar, filled with sinful desires and passions, We want it so bad, we indulge ourselves, and we don't care. And when we don't get what we want or think we deserve, we get angry, accusative, we lie, we get vindictive. That's who we are in this story. And Jesus, now I pray that you would become so much greater in our lives as we see ourselves all throughout these pages. And how your story, Jesus, of bringing true redemption and freedom to all who would put their hope and their trust in you. And as this story continues, we see Joseph continuing to be faithful and we see ultimately our Jesus, no matter what he faced, continue to be faithful in serving others, in giving of himself. And I pray that wherever we are at today, we would run to you. We would trust you. We would surrender and that starts even now by determining to praise you and to worship you. Whether we're in the heights or whether we are in the depths, our God is there to meet us. And would we humbly run to you daily, pursuing you, pursuing brothers and sisters in Christ to walk with us and to guide and strengthen and encourage and pray for us and with us in these journeys. Thank you, God, that you do not leave us alone. You leave us your word. You leave us your precious Holy Spirit and your precious bride, the church. And so we declare and we desire to worship you now. We pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Let's stand together and worship.